Hello, everyone, and welcome to this month's edition of Forward Together Podcast. Today, we're commemorating Innovation Month, and I can't think of any celebration that more aptly embodies the spirit of Shocker Nation. For more than 126 years, from our beginnings as Fairmount College to the current Wichita State University campuses, Shocker Nation has built a history of exciting innovations that benefit the lives of all Kansans. A guest today demonstrates that spirit of ingenuity. First, I'd like to welcome Dr. Darren Dufresne, Associate Professor of English at Wichita State. Dr. Dufresne has developed Vizzling, an app that helps people with visual impairments read comic books and other image-heavy materials. To help further develop Vizzling, Dufresne was recently awarded $100,000 from the National Endowment for the Humanities and almost $250,000 from the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation and $11,000 for the John A. C. Innovation Award. So thank you for being here today, Darren. It's good to see you. You know, um, some of the listeners may be interested to know that you and I go back a little ways. Yep. Um, you helped the university through our last accreditation reaffirmation visit in 2016, 2017. It was a great experience for me. And um, you may not remember this, but that was around the first time I was teaching a graphic novels class. And I remember you asking me, what is a graphic novel? And when I told you that it was basically a comic book for adults, you got this look on your face of like, this is what you're doing in the English department. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, that was back in the day where graphic novels were becoming a thing of its own. And since that time, we've, in our first year seminar course, we had a graphic yeah. novel as one of the uh, selections and had that author here on campus. And so it was, it's, it's been a really, um, I think, uh, a uplifting kind of experience for many people on this campus. And I'm so glad to be able to talk to you about this work. Um, so to start off, can you give me an overview of what Visling is and does and what it's intended to do? Sure. Um, the core idea here is uh, if you can't see something like a comic or a graphic novel or any anything that combines image and text, um, you're going to have a, a difficult time understanding what that is trying to communicate because typically if you're combining those two things, uh, either the text or the image does not suffice on its own, right? And so if you can't see, you're missing out on one whole part of that. And one of the things that we really wanted to do with this was to create a platform where someone with a visual impairment, and there's a whole spectrum of visual impairments, uh, that you can interact with the text, not in the exact same way that someone who can see the text can, but in a more, um, in a way that gives you more agency as a reader. And so we use haptics for that. And uh, we lean on visual linguistics. Um, this is something that was uh, really pioneered by a, a doctor in the Netherlands named Neil Cohn. Um, and we combine those two things along with uh, some CBML to create something where people can use their, their fingers to touch a uh, screen and get feedback that allows them to get more of a sense of where things are located and what is located where and, and get some feedback. So you just did a little abbreviation. Mm -hmm. um, C CBML, sorry, yeah. comic book markup language. Okay. So we need to make sure yeah. people know um, uh, what those abbreviations are. So one of the things that I I just noticed about what you were talking about, and you said it, digital transformation. Um, you know, we're we're trying to understand what that means for the university, and of course, we're doing a lot of work on the aviation side of things, 
Um, and, and, you know, we have NetApp on campus, SmartFactor on campus, where definitely digital transformation is a part of their work. So here's an example, and linguistics too. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's a, we have a new linguistics degree on, on campus. Um, so here's an example of how the humanities fits into that. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, this is really a growing side of the humanities, um, digital humanities, and um, it takes a lot of different shapes. But one of the things that we want to do utilizing that CBML that I talked about, for example, um, is to help make comic books searchable um, in databases. And there's already work underway uh, in that regard. But like if you wanted to look up examples of um, uh black women superheroes. Um, right now, it's kind of difficult to do that, especially if you're like keyed in on specific images in that regard. And this would help you by coding all these images, you'd be able to have access to all those images for further research or just mm -hmm. independent study. Yeah. Um, so what was the impetus behind this? And you talked about your example that you gave early on, and, and you and I had that conversation years ago. But yeah, so, I, I kind of lost track of what what you'd been doing with this, and and then yeah, where this started um, was the first time I taught a graduate course on graphic novels. One of the one of the uh, critical lenses that we were going to look at graphical graphic novels through was uh, disability studies, and I had a graduate student in that class, Aaron Rodriguez, and it just so happened his office was right across from mine, and we would have conversations during class, but then he he was one of those those students that you really like to have who would after class come wandering into my office and say, you know, I, I just have one more question. Mm -hmm. And we would start to talk about things. And one of the things that was really bothering both of us is uh, there really wasn't a way to communicate what Aaron and I could see on the page to someone with visual impairments. And we, said, we, we, we were talking about the way that this is typically done is that someone is given um, an audio track like Audible. And which is fine, but what that does is someone's interpreting everything that they're seeing in a way that if you're a student in my graphic novels class, you need to do that interpretation yourself about how the image is important to the text and vice versa. And so that really started this conversation about how do we overcome that? And uh, we started talking about haptics and Aaron, uh, we helped create a final project for him for that class that was a really, really rudimentary form of where we've ended up to this point. Um, of using haptics, of using visual linguistics and, and CBML to try, to try to create something that's going to make a really accessible version of uh, multimodal text, not just for comics, but for things like textbooks, um, schematics, uh, IKEA uh, <laughs> directions, which, I mean, if you're fully sighted, those are a challenge. Yeah. Well, I think you're talking about Aaron Rodriguez, who went on to He's in a doctoral program. Yes, right? he's at Florida State right now. He's got about another year there, um, and he's he's been great. Yeah. So. Um, so this kind of you kind of started talking about this besides the graphic novels and comic books. Um, what are some other um, uses for this? Yeah, more and more. I mean, we live in a society that really uh, relies on that combination of text and image. I mean, everything on the web basically is in that format, but um, textbooks, for example. Um, for one of the grants that we're working on, Aaron pulled a really terrific example of this. Uh, there's a, a textbook that was made um, accessible, right? And it was a science textbook that was explaining cells dividing. And 
what they provided was just a voiceover that explained what they were seeing on the page. And one image was a cell, and the next image was the cell dividing, pulling apart and making that kind of figure eight shape. And all the different parts were labeled within the cell, and you see all the dynamics of what's going on within that. Well, the second image there, rather than really telling you anything, just says the cell divides. <laughs> so you get the just from that example, I think you get that understanding about that's missing a whole lot of mm-hmm. of what's intended by the image. And so that's what we want to try to do is to allow someone to interact with that image in a way where they're really going to understand in a more profound way what is intended. Yeah. And, and I can even see this being useful for people who don't have uh, visual impairments, um, you know, in my background in healthcare, studying anatomical diagrams and you know, things that would require a little bit more explanation other than for me just even visualizing these um, in, a, in a textbook, I think would be helpful um, in ut- utilizing this kind of a technique. Yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're making this available on cell phones as well. And for someone like myself that has what I would consider a mild visual impairment with, with glasses, I can't see a lot of things even with my glasses on cell phones. And so what this will do is allow you to just touch that part of the page and have it read to you if you if that's what you want or that's what you need um, to okay. help facilitate your engagement with the text. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so I, I, don't, I think I know the answer to this, but is this app publicly available yet? Not yet, but uh, we're getting ready to do some testing with Envision here in town. And um, hopefully by this summer we have it ready to go. Um, one of the things that's very important to us is that we get feedback from visually impaired users and that we're not making decisions for them about what we think is best for mm-hmm. their engagement with these texts. But if there's things, we've already had one instance of this where we've had to kind of pivot in our thinking because of some initial feedback where we were headed in one direction and uh, some users that have engaged with the, uh, the, the prototype that we have to this point were telling us, no, this isn't. This isn't how we do things. Yeah, yeah, and I'm, you know we have a good resource of, with Envision here in, in Wichita. Yeah, um, so I'm glad that we've been able to make that connection with them on this project. So, what's the next steps for visiting? Uh, the next steps really uh, is the the testing is the next step that we're getting to, and after the testing, we're hoping to have basically a plug and play version of this because one of the things that we want to do is to make this available for anyone that wants to convert a multimodal text into something that's accessible and and has and provides an equitable reading experience for all their readers. Yeah. Well, this is good to have a explanation of this particular project that we're working on. I'd also just want to note to our listeners that this is our first uh, Sloan Foundation grant here at the university and um, that's a big deal and I, I want to congratulate you on that, Thank along you. with the National Endowment for the Humanities, too. So one other question I have for you. So eight years ago or whenever it was, and we were working on uh, accreditation documents when you were telling me about this prod, not this project, but the fact that you were working graphic on graphic novels, novels and, um, and then I was starting to read about this more recently and how you're developing, developing an app to do that. And... The Darren Dufresne that I remember, I don't remember that he was also a coder and a computer expert. And you remember that sort correctly. Of stuff. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, how no, did this all come together? I had no experience in anything related to that, really. I mean, my background's in creative writing, and, and I've worn some other hats since I've been here at WSU. Uh, but one of the really 
terrific things about being at WSU in regards to this project is all the help I was able to get really uh, fairly easily uh, throughout the university. We we applied for and were accepted to um, Shocker i And what Shocker i did for us was help us refine our vision for what we're doing and then helped us find resources for things like coders and um, and some of the other uh, support that we needed. We've also been able to go around to our various deans like uh, uh, Andrew Hipsley, obviously, but uh, uh, Kathy Downs in the library. One of the things that we needed to uh, think about was uh, storage space. And uh, Dean Downs was was just right there for us, ready to offer the services of the library. So um, it's it's taken a lot of um, a lot of help from a lot of different corners of the university and beyond the university, but um, it's just been a real joy because everyone's been like, so, hey, that's that sounds like a fun thing to do, and uh, they were that, right there with us. Yeah, and I, I'm glad you're describing it that way because I think a lot of faculty, when they start thinking about doing a project, they, they, they you know, get stopped in some way because they, they don't realize that there's some resources of people across this campus that will be willing to help them move, move projects forward. It's not something in in today's world. It's not something that people have the skills or expertise to do entirely on their own. I always tell our freshman composition students that you're in a place where you've got all these experts in really everything at the university. And if they don't know the answer is something, they can point you to the person or the resource that has the answers that you need. And so I had to take some of my own advice there and get out and just talk to some people around campus that I don't normally talk to and like computing sciences and so forth. And um, it was, that side of it was much easier than I anticipated. Yeah. Well, it's good to talk to you about all of this and, and have a better understanding of what you're doing in terms of Visling. Um, I also just want to make sure our audience knows the importance of this work in terms of its uh, funding uh, the first Sloan Foundation grant that we've received at the university. So congratulations on that. Thank you. And also, um, you received a, a grant from the National Endowment for the Humanities, which is also a big deal as well for this institution. So liking all of this work and how you have connected to our expertise on campus, particularly around digital transformation. So congratulations, Darren. Thank you for yeah, being here you. today. My second guest today is inventor, entrepreneur, and philanthropist and visionary Khaled Raza. Khaled is a Wichita State alum and a pioneer innovator in software engineering and cloud-based networking. He graduated from Wichita State in 1992 with a master's degree in industrial engineering and went on to become a co-founder of a cloud-based networking company called Viptela. In 2017, he and his investors turned around and sold that company to Cisco for $610 million. He now invests his time and money in projects that make the world a better place. In December, Khaled was awarded an honorary doctorate from Wichita State. He's an inspiring example of how important innovation and technology are in solving the enormous challenges facing society. He's also a true believer in applied learning and how that can transform a student's education and lead to career success. Thanks for being here today, Khaled. It's so good to see you. I was out in California um, visiting and got to speak with you at that time, and so we're really appreciative of, of you spending some time today while you're here in Wichita. Thank you very much, and I'm happy to be here. Well, great. So when I visited you last summer, you told me the story of how you ended up in Wichita from Pakistan. 
such an inspirational story. Can you please share that with our listeners today and um, give us a little bit of flavor of, of what you're about and where you come from? So, as you said, I'm originally from Pakistan. Uh, was uh, not too keen of uh, for coming for grad school. And uh, my father was a lot for about higher education. He didn't get an opportunity to come and do his graduation from uh, U.S. He, in fact, had an opportunity to go do his master's at Harvard. And while he was in process of getting his uh, degree, uh, not degree, while he was in process of going for his admission, he lost both of his parents. And he had to take care of his younger siblings. So for him, it was so critical that his children get the education and go learn in a country which is a land of opportunity. So he was after my case that you have to go. And I think, in hindsight, it's one of the best decisions I made of my life. Coming here transformed the way you look at the world. Wichita State gave me so much exposure, so much identity that I still carry with myself. So I'm glad that I took this decision, and rest is history. Well, I remember uh, part of that story. You're in the airport um, leaving Pakistan and coming to the country, and uh, I know that you you hated to leave your family and your mother and father, and um, uh, it was really a, a, a big moment in your life when, when you got on that, that airplane to come yeah. to Wichita. Yeah, it, it, it was very difficult. I was very, very close with my mother. She passed away four years ago. Uh, and for me, the hardest thing was to leave her because my elder brother had already moved, and uh, I was thinking, I'm going to stay with you, and I'm going to be here. And leaving her, I still remember that moment when I was leaving. It was very difficult. And uh, after all the success they, she had seen in my career and my life, she was very happy that I made that decision. But it's a very hard moment for anybody who leaves their families behind this far. Uh, and this is 1989, so you don't have a WhatsApp. You don't have that frequent communication. Mm -hmm. And it, it was it was a difficult journey, but I think I learned so much in my life coming and getting that educational experience. Yeah, and I, when you're telling that story again, it uh, just reminds me of, of the challenges that many of our international students face and have to deal with. And we, we always need to keep that in mind when we're um, interacting with them. So when you were a student here, the internet was a, in its infancy. Um, I know you've stayed connected to the university through the years. Um, you've made a donation through the foundation. You were a commencement speaker in the College of Engineering in, um, in 2016, and you received an honorary doctorate in December. What does Wichita State have now that you wish you had when you were a student here? When I walk around the campus, so many companies NetApp, I can see Airbus. When we were here, the National Institute of Aviation Research was just starting. So having that real-life experience working with industry people gives you so much different perspective. So you definitely your education helps, uh, but having the understanding what the industry needs, that applied learning, the interaction with the industry gives you a much, much better perspective. So I think if I was here today, I would be a much better student and a much better e equipped to go take on the uh, industry and work in the industry what they need. We had to ramp up when we went out. 
to learn the actually how you will apply your knowledge. Now, right now, you're actually getting that applied information, which I think is brilliant on part of the university to invest in that model and to establish relationships with companies. That will take your students very, very far in that career. Yeah, and you're, you're talking about something that is so central to our new model of education that we started you know, five, six years ago where every student now has to have an applied learning experience before they graduate. And now we know that um, over 5,000 of our students not only are getting that applied learning experience and learning skills that's going to help them uh, move into their careers, but they're also earning uh, a significant wage. And uh, around $27 million is earned by these students that they can put back in their pocket, help keep them in school and, and keep moving forward as a student. So, yeah. So I, I appreciate that perspective. So after you graduated from Wichita State, um, you worked with Cisco to establish a hands-on engineering lab at the university. You recognized the importance of applied learning way back in 1992. How important it is for the next generation uh, of talent to have these hands-on experiences? And you can give some examples of that. So if you, we started this lab at uh, WSU uh, in 96, 95, 96. And Dr. Bill Parkhurst, who actually I ended up working for Cisco, working for me, I recruited him. I won't do it ever again. Uh, so we, uh, Bill and I started to work on it said, it's so critical that people get this hands-on experience. Networking was very new. There was a shortage of skilled labor. And that actually helped WSU graduates. So many WSU graduated, graduates uh, were hired at Cisco. That was a very large number of people. And then Ravi Panse took it over. So that experience gave people the expertise that's required by the industry, not just at Cisco, Cisco's competitors, Cisco's customers hired a lot of WSU graduates because they didn't have to train them. They came trained. They understood how networking worked because they had full hands-on experience. They were utilizing that lab. And a few years later, Cisco ended up building one of their customer success centers in Wichita State. So those things actually help not just the students, but the industry as well. Because in this, when you come out of school, a lot of times you're lacking that specific knowledge that industry is looking for and they want you to ramp up quickly. When you get an individual who's already ramped up, understand how networks work and apply that information to their jobs, that's a huge benefit to both university and also to industry, that you get a fully trained, functionally, functioning employee who's ready to deliver at a much faster pace than to spend a year or so ramping up to learn. Yeah, and that's really the, the basis for uh, the reason why we've moved towards this applied learning model uh, here at Wichita State is to give those students that leg up um, so, and the companies that hire them uh, so they don't spend a lot of time training and re-educating and those sorts of things. And it's just not technolo technology fields or engineering fields. It's all of the uh, in business and industry that hires our students, um, you know, in the social science and social work and healthcare sciences, any of those areas. Um, uh, this is an important aspect of learning. And, and it's one of the reasons why we have now a high number of students wanting to come to Wichita State. And the parents are eager to have this kind of experience for their son or daughter um, so they they come out of school with some tangible skills so they can get a job when they when they graduate so you have 
done a lot of um, uh, work beyond Wichita State and founded your company and sold it to Cisco, and now you're working on uh, a, new, in a new endeavor. Can you give us some ideas of some of the projects that you're working on? So company-wise, I can't tell you I'm in stealth mode. Yeah. You will find out uh, this year what we're working on. But I can tell you that, uh, just give you a little context of Viptela, which was bought by Cisco. In 2012, this idea of software-defined WAN was a $0 market. Today, by some estimates, it's anywhere from 6 to $8 billion market. So we actually created a market that did not exist about 10 years ago. Uh, so that transformation has led people for a faster cloud adoption, agility to go into cloud and consume cloud. What Graphient is doing, I can tell you, is a 4x or 5x bigger opportunity than what Viptela was. So I'm very, very excited about what Graphient is going to transform. Uh, outside of work, uh, I work with different projects. One of the things that I carry the legacy of my parents is education. Uh, the opportunity I got in this institution. I want to give back because you owe it to your institution. Anytime you are a successful entrepreneur or any field that you go in, you can never forget the, what institution gave to you. So I am involved in multiple projects here and I want to do moving forward because two people I owe to, a uh, lot of gratitude to obviously my parents, so hence I started that scholarship in their name. And then my professor, Dr. Lankarani, who gave me that assistantship that I needed. So I started the Lankarani Assistantship Program at WSU as well. So from my perspective, education is a fundamental right. And once you get educated, it's your duty to give back to people and create the next level people who come and replace you. Well, I, I really appreciate hearing that. Um, it's people like you who are so generous with their time and efforts being here today, but also your financial resources that really make the university of what it is and, and help us move forward. We couldn't do any of these things that we've been talking about without uh, people like you. So thank you so much for, for that support. So uh, uh, one last question I have for you. You live in the San Francisco Bay Area now, uh, visited there, visited your home, beautiful view of the mountains. What do you tell people about Wichita State and how it, has it helped you uh, prepare for your career? So when I used to go back to Pakistan, one of the things I used to tell people over there, this is a hidden jewel. The amount of assistantships you can find in this university is amazing. I never had to struggle after my first year once I got assistantship with Dr. Lankarani. Most graduate students who came here would always find assistantship. One of the things I tell people in San Francisco that if you go to places like Wichita, as a student, A, you can focus, and there are a lot of opportunities that you get working and getting real-life practical experience, like applied learning in different fields. So I love coming here. I've always enjoyed and kept my relationship, kept my ties. In fact, to this day, when I come for either for business or for Coming to WSU, I still stay at Dr. Lankarani's house. That's my commitment to him. And I love meeting everybody, and the relationships I build in the institution have lasted. My friendships have lasted. And this, is, this, this, this was one of the best times of my life. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for, for being here and sharing your, 
your story and um, your experience and how that has uh, been helped shape uh, at Wichita State. We really appreciate you being here. It's um, uh, good to always see you and talk to you and uh, looking forward to um, seeing you again in the future. So thank you very much, Khaled. Thank you very much. These are just two examples of how Shocker Nation is changing the world through innovation. Thank you for joining me today. Be sure to listen to the next Forward Together podcast when it drops in May.